by episode, storyline by storyline, character by character, as we break down the making of your favorite zip code, with your host, <laughs> Charles Rosen, Did I say that? Harry Mullen, this thing about the, the, the real person, and we're going, what? We're getting rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen looks crush, TV crush worthy. Like so many special guests, and all your questions. Live on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, here we are back on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. Uh, busy day for you, Charles, doing a bunch of things, po- Zooming and all of that stuff. Uh, how a lot of Zooming been? today. A lot of politicking today. And uh, But it was interesting, too, because at one point we had – like we were waiting for the, the principal who we were there to, to join us. And uh, anyway, I don't know how we did it, but there I was going, everybody dance now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know, great, lightened yeah. up the moment, you know, and. Uh, um, but uh, you were a bit, of, a bit like uh, Brandon Walsh today. Do you think that's what Brand- how Brandon Walsh would be doing political calls this these days, you know, via Zoom, talking to people, getting people behind him? You are the Brandon Walsh, right? We've talked well, about the Brandon Walsh that had any political inclination at all was yes, that was uh, yeah. my alter ego. That was the one thing that was right, you know, with with the show, right, right from season one. Brandon ran for office. I mean, That's you know, right. he he had that. Uh, his dad and mom were political, and That's uh, right. so that That's was right. a little different than was um, conceived. And you could, you know, you know how much Aaron loved it. The moment I left, there was no more student politics. <laughs> the whole government shut down, right? Exactly. But <laughs> it was, was always it. a great way to get into the inner workings of the school and keep things going. And oh, stuff. for sure. Speaking of in, inner workings, um, we're talking about the party fish uh, this week. And this is, a, this is a really great episode. But we really see the inner workings of the Beverly Hills Beach Club. And we talked a little bit about that earlier today or Whenever we did the what was that yesterday? We did the watch along. Um, so I want to talk to you first about the Beverly Hills Beach Club. We've talked about that in the past. That how how you guys came up with that and and was ordered very quickly. You and um, you and Darren went right to Hawaii and started p- putting that together. So talk to me about that again, real quick for you about getting the order that oh my god we're going to be doing these summer episodes and how quickly that was for you. Yeah, it really was a quick turnaround. I mean, you know, we there we were trying to, you know, you know, fend off cancellation during the Gulf War, and uh, and then all of a sudden we're the new kid in town, and yeah. um, and 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 I think and you know we 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 he and I D and I had worked out whatever differences were in the first first twelve, and here we were, and it was really exciting to get that kind of affirmation. And yeah. Darren was coming off his um, the season ender, which was Spring Dance. That's right, and and that was just a great um, you know feeling uh, uh, you know on the set with the cast. Everybody really enjoyed. That was a real 
I believe, and I'm sure the all the stars have talked about it, a real bonding moment for them. You know, they were mm -hmm. out. They were just they were staying at a hotel together for a night or two. I mean, they had fun. You know, so for sure. <laughs> um. So you know, coming off of that. And now, you know, really gearing up for, we had to settle the uh, Brenda Dillon, but now we're really gearing up into the, to the beach culture. And there we were in Hawaii. We talked about the furniture that you see was the Four Seasons Hotel of, of um, uh, Wailea, which was empty, absolutely empty. American travel had stopped during the Gulf War. It was like unpatriotic to travel. So nothing, nobody went on vacation. Nobody did anything right. but, but fret, except mm -hmm. for the kids who were finding 90210. They were watching TV. Oh, they were so excited. Yeah. Um, do you remember any of the specific conversations you and Darren had about the beach club? I know you told me in the watch long, and I've known for a while that uh, Sandy has said that the Flamingo Kid was a big influence in that. So, I mean, were, was that something that you guys talked about all the time, or what was it that you guys were kind of talking about? We had to move really, you know, there, there wasn't that much time for talk, quite frankly. You know, Darren had to write quick and I had to write quick. And and Darren had the capacity, has the capacity to write very quick, as did I. And we had to, so both, um, you know, the the season one and, when, you know, the when Brandon gets the job, now this is the one putting it all together. We just... It was, you know, what's the vision? And we, we had a good template with Flamingo. So we carried we, that that character Rattinger, the one being, because I, I believe the Flamingo kid, the one who was the Rattinger-esque character, was cheating at cards or something like that. Right. And, mm -hmm. You know, and this was, you know, I'm I'm stepping out on my wife and I'm screwing the this woman here, even though he professed to love her. Given how he who how he was i mean she was pretty naive that that's a relationship she should have broken off in about one year yeah no doubt yeah you know? <laughs> yeah um all uh, right so we're talking about this the episode the party fish this is the second episode and what i love about this is this episode and this has been said to me a couple of times now since we've been talking about covering it uh this episode really defines this kind of shows what this beverly hills beach club is you know, you're seeing the the staff have uh, relationships with the patrons, and and you know this is the kind of stuff that everybody hangs out at. Dylan is sort of there, and and Steve is there, and Andrea, and everybody's going to be a part of this beach club. Yeah, right. We just we moved it out, and that's how that's how summers were back in the mid late '60s, early '70s here in LA. You know, they were you know the beach culture, and you'd be there, and the people. Whether it be just a, a you know a beach with a hot dog stand or a or talk in LA's case they were taco stands or um, the uh, you know a private beach club, uh, but it was um, yeah so but I what I noticed about it and thinking about it today uh, is that you know it, it, this episode two is so rich and dense with production and it's almost the equivalent of like the episode that Larry wrote. Uh, when we started college, when the re the registration, little fishes, yeah, and they were all you know in the there the registration. You just you there's an episode that you you need to build uh, real immense production value, and and make that carry you for the rest of time. With with, with this one, it was carry you through the sixth episode arc of the summer. 
Yeah. But you, we did all the second unit was pretty much done with this episode. It appeared to me. That was a lot of, uh, you know, random footage just to sell the place. Um, the Tom Victor does a fantastic job building this set. I mean, we've talked about that with him somewhere along the way. Um, were you, were you, when you saw the beach club come to life, were you just like, wow, you guys just kind of, this is really impressive. I mean, they totally took that place and brought it to life. Well, well, they used the basis of what was the sand and sea club. Right. The color scheme was, um, you know, uh, the Beverly Hills Hotel, dare yeah, I say. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. you know, a little Miami, and, and that would be fine for the beach. You know, so that was fine for, for the Beverly Hills Beach Club. And, you know, we didn't we didn't need to get into any of the, oh, it has spa treatments and this and that. We, we, we just focused on what we, we could do, which was the volleyball and the, and the court there. Um, but, you know, I remember, I don't know if I said this at some point when we were talking about these summer episodes once, I remember being there with, um, on our first scout, the first conversation we had, and I was, uh, I'm not sure if Paul was, they must have been there, but it was the UPM, and he was a new UPM, the unit production manager, Jim Weatherall, his wife, Diana, ran the office mm -hmm. in the first season. These were really loyal spelling people. Good friend, good friend of Duke Vincent, Jim Weatherall. And Jim, uh, and very kind of almost like production is a military operation. <laughs> right. Sounds great with Dukey if you do that, right? Right, right, yeah. So Jim, um, with, there was a little, uh, a woman of diminutive stature and major annoyance who was representing the facilities representative of the city of Santa Monica who had taken over the uh, the club and now that it had been uh, shut down for uh, supposedly not complying with, with regulations, regulations. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. it would be too much yeah so um, and I remember leaning over to Jim and saying your job for the next six months is that I never hear this woman's voice again <laughs> And I left and, you know, and then went back to the scripts and went back to the things that you're more interested in, you know, but you, you have those moments. So, yeah, we knew we had, you know, we were, we were pleased with the art and yet, and yet, you know, this was a little more alive. And also because of the way that the budget would be, they threw more money into this sum, special summer episode so we could put it on the screen. That was that was fun for me. You know, I like production. So that oh, yeah. I mean, and this one's all the way. And you bring Dan Adias on to direct this episode. Um, I right. thought he did. I thought he did fantastic. What did you think of Dan's direction? And well, this? I love also, you know, Dan was a really is a really good athlete. Um, he he uh, particularly in later, he was really a fine golfer. But he also, mm. you know, in terms of, you know, uh, basketball and football, you know, he just was he was very coordinated as, as a kid. So. You know that he gets to then film, you know, games going on is you know is perfect yes. for him. Director we've mentioned a few times, Jeff Melman. He too had real athletic sensibility and put that through. But yeah, no, Chuck Braverman did the first one with Darren, and and um, and then this was was Dan. And uh, um, okay, yeah. so the the. There's some stuff that you said on the um, the after uh, the watch along that I think is really good. I mean. You told a story about um, Duke Vincent thinking that the 
relationship of J of uh, Brandon and Jim being really too too angry and strong, right? I think is what you were talking about on the watch along. He did say that, and and I don't know if indeed I can't say at this point if that made that we took out a line or two. Because I didn't the, feel it was. I didn't. The, no, I didn't feel as much now. But I do remember what he was referring to, and there was a sharper edge, and and yet you know the crazy. I think I think it ended up with good editing, maybe at, at this point, this midpoint, because, um, you know, the, you, you knew something was off. I like to make it as much. You knew something was off with Jim, but you didn't know well, really what it was. And you know, here you are in Beverly Hills, California, and you have to admit it's the money. Yes. Um, now that keeps you as an outsider for a year or two, just by that alone. You don't yeah. get the free ball. You're not Steve, Kelly, Dylan. Although I was reading ahead about some of the other summer episodes, and, you know, Dylan's, yes, Dylan loses money. Uh, he, he gets tossed out for a while. Yeah. That's right. Though there's an episode we should cover at some point where the beach club gets robbed, right? Isn't right. The, yes, yeah, the Anaconda. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Um, And so going back to this, the storyline, the conflict between the father and son, I think it's really good stuff. And you wrote this one. This is one that is a Charles Rosen written by. Um, What do you remember about writing some of the conflict between Jim and, uh, and Brandon? The conflict? Yeah, or just the general, the, the Rattinger and all this stuff that's kind of happening between, because there's multiple. Well, layers. it is one of the, it, it's the small world. If he had been, um, well, as we, as I think we said, and, and, uh, and then finally Jim says in the script that he's coming off, you know, these, you wanted the show to be a little serialized and he's coming off uh, a, a rejection of a job offer. He re- that, and he re- that, he rejected it, right? Mm-hmm. That he would have been, and the family would have been set, because it's Midwestern prices, not Beverly Hills prices. And that's the other, you know. So that so you know what his salary was, and then coming here back here, some kind of decrease, and you know certainly not the same. Yeah. Um, and um, so you know there was an, right from the first scene this kind of an underlying depression. Mm-hmm. You know, J- you know, Brandon's trying to get sympathy. They're working hard at the beach club in these long days, and um, you know, Jim is, uh, you know, like in a sour mood, right, right from that first scene. Yeah. I don't remember writing it that way, but that's how it came off to me a little bit. And, it it uh, definitely does. I agree with you that you know, it definitely feels that that. Uh, I asked uh, Larry about this. He said. Um, Prime Chuck and and Dan Anius. For Brandon, a character forgiving episode. He keeps his Midwestern values. Jim Brandon Rattinger, Rattinger triangle. And a perfect yeah. example of an off kiss, kiss off at the end uh, with Sandy. Those are Larry's uh, comments about this episode. He watched it today. Um, kiss off? What is, what is- I don't know what that meant exactly in terms of the kiss off. A perfect example of an off kiss. Oh, well, you have a kiss, and then think the character's got to go. And a kiss off, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're done. Uh, You're done. It's the, yeah. Let's talk about Sandy, because Sandy's, I think, is great, and we have an interview we're going to go to in yeah, a second. Yeah, it was very here. nice to see her. And, 
Um, talk to me about the the actress. I mean, she. I think well, it was interesting that she brought up, and I, and and it was where we were, and 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 what Aaron wanted, and how you work with, um, you know, uh, so many of our guest stars uh, got their first opportunities coming from soap operas, and That's that right. really was the farm system. It seems for young actors, certainly actors in their twenties, thirties, for you know, in terms of the, the kind of work in that, but. The uh, certainly the, the with, with this ones, they they were really uh, she was really um, you know she had credit she had done this and that's and we had a lot of our cast you know come out of the soaps yeah Luke Luke Jenny you know so totally um, and I think she, but I think she's really great I mean her and Jason seem to have really good chemistry and then her and Rattinger has really good ke chemistry as well and and the way that all plays out. Um, I'm gonna go. Let, let me go right now to the Sandy interview. That her name's Deborah. We're gonna cut to that, and then we'll come back and give our thoughts on that. Oh. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, that was um, kind of a surprise. Yeah, I know. And we 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 just were watching the episode, and you're so good in it, you know. And I, we were like. Chuck's like, we have to talk to her. So, uh, and he's trying to get his audio here. Okay. Are you okay? Are you okay, Chuck? I'm unmuted. Hello. How are you this morning? <laughs> Hello. Hi, Deborah. Hello. Nice to see you, meet you. Likewise, you know, um, we've been doing these things, if you can believe, for over two years. And we had a, you know, we kind of winding them down. At least I, I am in my own way. And Pete, they're, they're, we look at episodes that we haven't seen and, and, and discussed. And yesterday we got to look at arguably one of my favorites, the party fish, because it was started the, the, the Beverly Hills Beach Club. And it was, and that beach right there where that beach club is, is right next door to where I spent three years in high school going to the beach every day. Oh, really? So, it really is the, you know, L.A., every, in, in the L.A. in the 60s, every high school had their own beach. So, so that's, you, were, you were going after school. You were not skipping school. I'm talking about in summer. I'm talking about <laughs> in okay. summer. But, uh, uh, but, but none of, so we always had that. And, of course, the Beverly Hills uh, place where Beverly Hills kids would be would be right next to a, uh, a, a private uh, beach club, which is where the Beverly Hills Beach Club was, was set was that beach club. So, so, so Deborah, do you remember getting this part and what this process was like for you? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So I was a little bit beyond the high school years. I had, uh, I'm trying to think, I had a child, maybe two. What year did this air? Do you, you know? came in... You it was the summer of 19, uh, nine, actually the spring to get ready for summer episodes. So it was uh, the spring of 1991. Okay. I had two babies. Um, and I don't in the, the blur of young motherhood, I do not remember getting it. I certainly remember doing it. Uh, I lived way, way, way on the other side of town. I was living in Atwater Village, if you know. It's a very cool little neighborhood, kind of between Los Feliz and Silver Lake and Glendale. So it was a long drive over there. And uh, 
Yeah. I, so I don't remember what the audition process was or anything. It's all a blur. Yeah. Uh, but you get it and you you're you're doing it. What what are your some of your memories of I mean it's a heavy part. It, it was a lot. I mean, you know, there's this affair, there's you know, you were a little bit older and all this stuff, your relationship with Brandon. What do you remember about working with Jason and sort of being in the set of 90210? Well, so he was terrific. Everyone was great. And I like that storyline because it was really about bigger issues of, of class and age because the Sandy, the person I played, she was not of that world. She was a girl who worked as a waitress and needed to work as a waitress. And, you know, she was older. So if, if you remember <laughs> being that young, someone who's in uh, even early 20s to a high school, a high school boy and a young woman at that age, it was, um, you know, so it brought in a lot of very important issues of her feelings. That's what I liked about it. She was obviously a complicated and self-conscious person, but he was great to work with. And I wanted to ask you, at this point in 90210, it's going to start exploding the popularity of the show because these are the summer episodes. Um, were you aware that it was of the show and that it was starting to explode? Well, I certainly knew how popular it was, but I don't think, you know, it's always interesting. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and you really see what you're in when you're in it. Um, I recently went to my first actor's convention, you know, like Comic-Con or totally Comic-Con or all these things. I went to one in New Jersey and I was just startled to see, you know, all these years later, the things that people wanted to talk about and the things that they remembered. So time is always an interesting uh, added factor to understanding anything that's going on. So I didn't fully know. You didn't. Um, but I'm curious after this episode airs, because it is in such a popular time, or the, the, did you get recognized for, for this part at that time period? I did. I did, definitely. And it, it helped because I'd been on a, um, a soap opera some years before called All My Children. And I had a very big part on that. And as I was doing more nighttime TV and movies, it was nice to get more recognized for that because the soap opera fans are really, you know, diehard. They, they really know who you are. Uh, I'm originally from New Jersey. So what, what did people want to talk to you most about at the uh, at the convention? Was it 90210 or was it other things as well? It was some All My Children, a lot, uh, a film I did called April Fool's Day, which is a very smart, tongue-in-cheek horror film. Really, I think kind of the precursor to Scream, it's... Um, it, it's it's more like 10 Little Indians. If, if you think of that locked room mystery setup sure. where you have a, a contained setting where one by one people are disappearing. That's what that film is about. And it has a real twist ending. So that has a real cult following. Um, another film I did called Just One of the Guys has a different kind of cult following. I know that one. Yeah. yeah pop culture. Yeah. Not, uh, you know, different genre. And then I did a really crazy 
science fiction film, but it was a play on science fiction films. This brilliant guy called Jeff uh, Lieberman directed uh, me and Kevin Dillon and Meg Tilly and an incredible cast in something called Remote Control. So the fans of that are the fans of that. And um, yeah, so, but definitely there were the 90210 people. Yeah. Um, what about the actor that played um, uh, R- Rattinger? What is that? It Rattinger, the, the 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 man that you were that Sandy's having the affair with. Right, right. Yeah, I don't have a strong memory of that actor. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what was it like being on the set? I mean, was everybody else pretty cool to you too? The other cast members that you got to interact and work with. Yeah, everyone was really nice. One of the most fun little sidebars was one of my closest friends. And uh, we had little babies together. Uh, Lisa uh, Knight, her husband was a grip or a gaffer. He was a gaffer on 90210. So the car that I drive, that little Volkswagen bug was actually my friend's car. So that was a a fun little sidebar. But yeah, everyone was really nice, really professional. Um, And Luke, any memories of Luke Perry? No, I didn't really have any direct interactions with him. Mm -hmm. And what about the director? Do you remember Dan Adias at all? He was the director of this episode. Curious if you have any memories of his direction and any of that stuff. I don't have any strong memories. Uh, you know, it's very interesting uh, as a woman, when you get to that point in your career where you're where having little kids and you're working, you're a little bit more on off than at earlier times or later times as your kids get older, because you're just kind of so focused on what you're doing with your young family that you kind of step out of it and do the role and have to step back in. So I don't have strong memories of him. From an acting process, what was your process in finding Sandy? Well, (laughs) find your inner misfit, find where you don't fit in, find where you don't feel you measure up. I I mean, that was really what she was all about. She took on a lot in having this relationship, not only with a younger guy, but someone who was part of a world that she was not, and it was in his world. You know, it's a very interesting phenomenon of um, class. People who are from the same place, who belong to two different classes in that place where they're from, very hard to jump in or out of one or the other, but it's so easy if they go to a different place, you know, move to San Francisco and you don't have any of those issues or New York or sure. it's not that those particular cities are better or worse. It's just that they're different from where people have grown up in their little locked boxes. So to me, that's what all of that was about. And it's very easy to tap into that. For sure. He asked if you were if you're an LA native, LA person. No, I am a native Detroiter. So there, there's a whole fascinating uh, <laughs> subculture there that we could talk about. No, I lived in LA for eight years. Nice. And now you're back on the East Coast. You're you're an author, and you've got some stuff. What what are you, what are you working on right now? You're I know you're doing. You're an author, and you're on a book tour. I think right. 
Yeah, so I have a few things going on. I write thrillers, but I like to call them identity thrillers, really thrillers that examine these um, puzzles of identity and secrets that people keep. I find that the most interesting thing. So my third book is coming out in January and it's called Reef Road, like Coral Reef. And it's set in Palm Beach, Florida in the pandemic lockdown. And it's a dual narrative of two women. One woman who's uh, a writer who's researching the murder of her mother's best friend. And then a younger woman who's married to a very handsome fellow from Argentina. And he is last seen as the lockdown is kind of closing everybody in in his face mask, getting on a plane for Buenos Aires with their two children, and she can't follow. And I liked working in the constraint of the pandemic. I didn't want to write a book about the pandemic, but I liked it as almost like a wartime setting. It imposed mm. constraints on, on the characters and what they were able to do. And I thought it was it's very fitting for a thriller. So that'll be out in... January. And yeah, I was just uh, up at a library talking about uh, my other two books, Finding Mrs. Ford and Ruby Falls. Great. And is there a place? Congratulations. To... Yeah, that's as amazing. Someone, as you. someone who uh, types for a living, I know that's not easy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a place people can find out what's going on with you, like via social media and all that stuff? Yeah, I'm very active on Instagram, and my Instagram is Deborah Goodrich Royce Official. I added the official because there were two people pretending to be me, and one was a quite lovely, very voluptuous young brunette. And I thought, I don't know why she's pretending to be me, but you know, <laughs> she looks okay on her own. So Deborah Goodrich Royce Official, or I have a really good website. Uh, DeborahGoodrichRoyce.com, and I've just revamped it with the new book and all kinds of stuff. And then the books are everywhere, uh, Amazon, but also Bookshop.org is a really nice way of ordering books that supports local bookstores. If you don't feel like going to your local bookstore, that's great. Well, uh, Chuck, do you have any other questions for for her or for Deborah, or are you are you all good? No, I just really wanted to uh, to say hello, meet you. This, as they say. You know, I um, I did 143 hours of TV, of prime time, in, in uh, six and a half years of TV crammed into five seasons. And there are very few that really, you know, just uh, that, that, that I stand up and cheer for. And uh, and large part of it is the, what you did in, as the character of Sandy. So really well, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you yeah. so much. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for allowing me to hop in and, and hop out so quickly. Of course. So nice to you both. Thank Excellent. you so much. Okay. Great bye -bye. to see you. Yep. You too. Really lovely to see, to see Deborah. I mean, still looks phenomenal. What did you think? Very nice. Very nice. Very, uh, uh, I, I knew, oh, she's not in California anymore, is she? <laughs> She's an author and yeah. writing. That's she's doing the author. That's, yeah, that's very, very impressive. And, um, you know, and, and as I say, that she came out of the, the soaps and, uh, you know, didn't. And I, and I know we both know it had to, at least in terms of the, for her agents at the time, it gave them talking points. Oh, I imagine that this was, you know. yeah. Um, you know, speaking of the soaps, we have the other thing with Henry Thomas. And you told this on the watch long, and you've told it here before, but 
Um, Henry Thomas does not like his uh, Young and the Restless interrupted. Do you want to talk a little bit about where that came from? Um, you know, uh, it's just, just the notion, uh, you know, did I know the answer yesterday? Cause I'm afraid I don't know what exactly. You said, you said that you, that you, you, a guy said this to you. Don't interrupt. Yeah, but I can't remember who the guy was. No. What was the situation? Was, yeah. You said it was a janitor. Was maybe. Guy who yeah. was the least likely person who had a day job and this would be there and, and don't talk to me in my lunch hour. I'm doing, watching the soaps. And, and, we can't, we, never, and it was the unsuspecting person being that one. And that just struck me as funny. Yeah, I love it. But what I love about this, we talked about on the watch along, is you even get permission from the Young well, and the I Rest. Can't show, I can't show the film. I can't. We can never, you know, cut away to what he's watching on CBS Young and Restless if we can't, uh, if we don't get permission. We got to pay for it. And you got permission, and they and and you told the story about um, about working with those people. And then I worked for them for the next three. Yes, they're the ones that uh, picked up my my put me up after uh, the zip code ended. They, I went to Sony for uh, two years with them. Then we extended it a year, and then I stayed with Sony an additional year, but not not necessarily on any new projects with them. Yeah, I mean, good stuff, though, and I think James Pickens is really good, and there was a great dynamic there we didn't talk about on the watch-along where, you know, when this all blows up and, uh, you know, Brandon thinks he's going to get fired, there's a great moment that the, the, those two characters have, like, I'm, you know, that he wants him to get, ri get rid of me, you, but I'm not going to do that. It's been ignored. Well, he he said, uh, I think it was it was the specifics of the line, right? It was something like, you um, you know, he... I, he uh, he said, fire him. And he said, and, and uh, Henry's response was, uh, well, I told him I'd consider it. And I considered it, and I'm not going to do it. Let him run this place in July. Yeah, exactly. It is, you know, that's the back, you know, that's middle management. I'm not, it's not going to happen, you know, too bad. Stay away from him. You know, you know get me fought. You, you're not going to do it. He's going to last through the summer. If it's a summer club, basically, although it's a year round, it's clearly the summer season is what matters most. Right, um, but the big club in the beach now—the beach communities, all of them—they're year-round operations. Right, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, and this was the the summer beach club. Right. Um, uh, what I was going to say is, I thought what the way you hit, we talked about the way you hid, sort of the layers. Right, Brandon's just interested in this girl at the at the beach club, Sandy, and we don't really know the layers. And and Dylan even tries to tip tip off that this is, you know, right. stay away from her and all that stuff. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about some of that. Well, it's the story. I, I like audiences to gather information at the same time that the characters are. Yeah, I like and that. And so you, you, you parcel that out into a way that, that makes that, that, is character driven and moves the story forward because character is plot and if and the person who said that and who i took that from was i think he was about 26 27 years old at the time his name was martin scorsese and he was in los angeles speaking about his theories of making movies and that one made a lot of sense to me it does. Uh, it, it, it seems to be, especially the kind of stuff I'm interested in. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, um, that doesn't, you know, mean there are other, other ways where you just do formula and this and that, and there's things to be said about that. But, um, but, I, but, you know, in terms of studying care, so it allows you to have a little deeper relationship with these characters with layers being peeled yeah. off. I mean, the idea too, that you're, you know, they get invited to this beach club that their son works at. Well, yeah. that, you know, that can happen. And oh my God, it's the same one who Brandon met on the court today. Well, that can happen. Yeah, the where tennis, it goes yeah. from there, and there's that one line from Jim, and I think it was the scene when Jim, the wounded Jim, says, "Yeah, he's trying to take my son." Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, that uh, rich men have been known to do. Um, I think we've talked about, you know, when Aaron first met me. Um, Aaron functions in a certain way in a relationship with a younger man where he can I can be like a safe port for you and a father figure and all sorts of things because that's what you do and that, not at 70, hello I, I do it too with sure. a few young talents and just try to be there for them or whatever but you know uh, but that's how he he would, would, would function a lot um, to get what he wants because he also was the businessman and, and things um, but, uh, my father was a prominent doctor and, and you know, a graduate of LA high and UCLA. And I didn't really need a, I didn't need Aaron to be a dad. Right. So we did not have that kind of, uh, uh relationship. Duke was more, as I said, the, the teacher, the mentor. I learned yeah. a lot from him. Aaron, you just saw how he would react to do things. And it was really, you know, I always love to watch these Hollywood people work phones. And Aaron, my agent, Elliot Webb, uh, was I used to just go in it when I first became a client of ICM. And he was really busy basically just booking the entire movie of the week business for CBS. He, um, yeah, I just go and watch him on the phone. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was fun. And, and Aaron, too, was was a wink and a nod a lot. Mm-hmm. The the other thing that's happening in this is the Chris Suter, the teacher, uh, Brenda, is doing acting stuff. Um, you have talked about Chris Suter maybe not being right for that part. What do you think? Well, he, you know, you couldn't tell. This one, he was okay. I thought he was fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. And because and this was the introduction one and this, and he could just stay the role as I'm the acting teacher. When he had to do more, he was so uncomfortable with it that it doesn't play. But those are follow-up down episodes. For this one, you know, I think the focus just gets on Brenda, and she's, you know, with the the, the first times trying out, am I an actress? You know, can I do this? I mean, we're going to have to assume, just like we did, or we anybody can do it anywhere they want to because it's fan fiction at this point, but in the way that we did the the Walt sure. Christmas, that yeah. she was a real actress and a working actress. That's what she was interested in. There's no reason to not. And, and what's great, this is some of the start of, start of that that we will see later on in season four. You know what I mean? Like this is this right. is where we're kind of you know we're gonna go we're gonna call back to these moments with right. Chris. Right. Um, and really good stuff, Brenda. I think Shannon is really awesome here. You know, d- learning this thing. She has this really nice moment with her dad. It's kind of funny where she's like thinks that she's like you know at the store or whatever and got lost and all this stuff so nice stuff out of shannon we, one of the things we also talked about was 
uh, I said that I loved how Brenda and Brandon's relationship was treated at this time. And yeah, that's very important. Well, you know, thinking a little bit more about Brenda being lost, Karen was lost in Fire Island. And it was always, you know, a traumatic thing. Karen was oh. lost. But then also, it was, well, she got to go to the police station. They served her ice cream. And it was, right. and, <laughs> you know, there's on the other side of it, too. So I think that's probably what we is that where you pull? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, and then so we talked about those couple of things, and uh, the other thing that's the, that that's happening. What was the other thing that's happening? Um, oh, the 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 Grunion, the whole Grunion. Oh, the, oh, the party fish. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing. Well, we talked about that story, and and that was really you know so much of beach culture. In the uh, again in those beach years that I talked about from sixty five seventy two the years of AM radio the years of the Beach Boys you sure. know they were you know be true to your school and all that and and you know you'd listen and and you know they would be the, the, the stations that were there about three of them they would if the Grunion was supposed to be running they would tell you they couldn't tell you where so you just go to the beach and you you party you know one way or the other you know we would go and sleep in bags and would be you know the, we just have, a, you know, you be what teenagers would do. You know, you just party on and, and fool around and whatever. But um, we never saw the fish. Right. And then so for and then, as I said, you know, later in life, we did uh, get to see him with, when I first met Karen that first weekend. That was crazy. So the fish became really important to us. So to be able to use it in this uh, in this context was was great. And uh Although, you know, it was one of the things we could never, because of the nature of the technology then, you, you just had to do a cutaway to the fish, and then we showed them dancing from behind. You know, right. it was kind of, you know, what else are you going to do? You There's know, nothing else. The music and the music. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I want to ask. With the music, man, we had, we had Elvis Costello, The Other Side of Summer, one of the great songs. Basically, the, the main song in The Mayor of Venice, even. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, and then Donald Fagan, at least three of his tunes from the Nightfly concept album that won Grammys. And and just if you don't know the Nightfly, just go to YouTube right now or or whichever one you use and just go through the listen to a couple of the takes. They're great, you know, and weave them in. Was it a bit? And you told the great story about uh, raising the volume on the on the um, on the. Yeah, the- that was a no no for Mister. <laughs> he wasn't happy, but I Kenny Miller had to field that call, not me. So you, you, and we knew it was, and we knew we we, we we muffed the sound. In fact, I think the version that we saw is corrected. It is a little bit corrected, but it's still, it's still, it's still louder than anything else. And you just wanted everybody to know that we got the Elvis Costello song. You know what? We were really, you know, we did. I mean, you think about it. We had REM, Elvis Costello, and Donald Fagan. You know what? What little teenage show is this? You know, you know, in that regard, because you know that's how we were still being perceived. I mean, it was it as we've talked about, and and I'm sure if somebody makes a really good documentary about this someday, uh, they'll they'll it will come out because you know they were it was very difficult for the guys, uh, Brandon and and uh, I mean uh, Jason and Luke, to be uh, marketed as you know Team Beat is not where they wanted to be going. And that's where 
the first instinct of Fox was around this time. This was this was the time of the merchandising. This was the time of the capitalization. This is the time that the whole series changes. Their lives change. This, you know, those two episodes. You know, I want to ask you about that too, because did you? Is that something that you noticed with them, with the actors? Uh, were they were they still? Like they were, you know, what I mean, in season one, they don't even know they're gonna go, if they're gonna make it to the next season, right? You know what I mean? And now it's a huge show, and it's becoming every week larger and larger. Did you? When did you start to see? The- well, you saw certain. You, you saw certain. Yes, you saw acting out. Yes, you did. You saw feeling. Oh my gosh, we're stars. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what does it mean that we're stars? Mm-hmm. What does it, you know, all, all of the realm of conversations and possibilities and feelings was there. And the way I would get the feedback, because I'm I'm not with them, I'm writing the scripts and doing the other aspects of, of the show, was from the reporters who were doing, interviewing them for the start of the, the summer episodes. Mm-hmm. And they could, they noticed a change. Yeah. And, and there's a story that I don't know if, that Ian was upset that he did not he didn't get a doll right there, there that story exists that I make that up or is that is that accurate? Yeah, well they they, they you know some got dolls and some didn't and uh, you know it 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 was uh, you know the, if they were going to make a limit and just say these are the ones we think who've made a you know the kind of re- re- relationship with. A buying public, we hadn't either done enough for Steve at that point. He was totally. We ended up doing a lot. He ended up being the you know the full Monty of the show after I left. All the way to the end. The end. So so you know he got his due by hanging in there. But yeah, in the beginning it was really about the the three of them and Jenny, and they threw in Tori because it's Tori. Yeah, Donna because it's Donna. You know, but I don't. You have to have a Donna doll. Gabrielle, whatever she felt about it, maybe she's talked about it in public. I don't know, but she she kept it, and it didn't matter. Didn't yeah. matter. Gabrielle was the adult. Gabrielle was there with with Jim and Cindy, you know, sure. James and, and Carol and I and Karen, and you know, she was a different. Yeah. Lastly, you told a great story about the wo- the woman that plays Radinger's wife. <laughs> oh, the, you got to watch the watch along to see that. How about okay. we do that? But. It was a cha- it was a challenge to get that to get that together. The the scene where she's driving in the it, car. It's, it's the if you if you rank all of the scenes, if if you'd be so anal to do that and and look, break down every scene. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has. Say, done this that. is the best one. This was the best one because of this reason, and this would be next. Well, what about this? And you go from that to the bottom. This wins at the bottom. Yeah, and it was a lot of work for you and Dan. Is that it was a lot under- of work. It was, uh, you know, just no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> right. Um, I think we've covered everything here. I mean, I want to just ask you about, because this is an important episode, and in the watch along, you know, you were excited about watching it, and I want to just get that out. Like, I think it's a really great episode, and when you looked back on it, what what did you think about it, looking back on all these years there? I mean, we always ask that question, did it still hold up? But it was something that was important to you when we were going to do the watch along. So what did you think now after we did the watch along? Well, I think we dealt with it, you know, exactly the kind of issue that Brandon that would be having it right at that point. With, with, with it had romance, it had family, it had you know values, 
who are you? You know, and as, and as Larry says, it's the confirmation of the Midwestern value. I'm going to be cool in this. And, you know, I mean, when you're seeing Jay, 20-year-old Jason Priestley, 21-year-old Jason Priestley, and you're, here's the Sandy, who you knew was late 20, who had gone through stuff. You know, Sandy didn't say, I have a child, but could have, maybe. Sure. You know, mm -hmm. it just didn't have to come up, so it didn't. Um, and you knew she was, you knew she was going to kiss him because yes. he is so fucking adorable just for that reason alone. Yes. And so that's, you know, that had always been, you know, it's, that's the spelling touch. That's what Aaron brought. Yeah. Bring, you know, that, that, that's there. I mean, he, he plucked Jason knowing with, with Tori's help, this is the adorable guy. Right. And I think Jason at one point here was the handsomest man alive most beautiful man Probably. you know whatever people magazine did yes. you know, whatever the, the, so this was the one that they took the stills from for sure um all right well, this is really great man um next week we'll uh, larry and i will be doing a show uh from season seven called uh storm warnings and at some point we'll all get back together and do some more fun stuff so um good catching Someday. up with We'll be together. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. I saw I saw Brian yesterday, and he told me to say hello, and uh, he Very was good. happy to, to to hear that you're everyone's doing well and whatnot too. So, thank you. Bro. All right, catch you, my All man. Right. All right.